and boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the distinguished Dr. Bear Paul Lando coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. Up here on the Smith River, it is on day 15 of rain, it seems like. Um, but the hey man, the river's flowing. I actually fished for the first time and feels like a year a couple of days ago. Um, hopefully the steelhead are flowing in. Uh, it's just so gorgeous here in the winter. We're quite blessed. Waterfalls everywhere, just everything's lush and green. And uh for New Year's Day, took the family bear on a hike uh through the redwoods and the grove of titans, uh, and just really appreciating those giant trees. Uh, as we move into 2024, which is going to be a big year. So I thought that was a fitting start for the new year, going and hanging out with those those giants. <laughs> Amazing start. So Amazing you, start. You, you're indicating 2024 is going to be a big year. Is what, where, where are you going with that? Like, is there something specific? Um, well, well, just I'm, looking at, well, if you look at the Gregorian, Gregorian numbers, right, <laughs> I know, and I wanted to touch on this today, Michael, because I know you totally get this, like, how do we even define the new year? You know, there's so many different new right, years, right? right? Um, but just looking at the numerology of the sort of mass consciousness behind the numbers and it being an eight year two zero two four eight being infinite being sort of the um the merging of the material with the spiritual and just a big year for manifestation so i've kind of put that out there that this is going to be a big year for me um i'm really going to really aim high in terms of my goals and what i want to manifest this year and in less esoteric terms um although i agree with everything michael just said this year is obviously uh, is obvious and transparent on its face as far as things in motion and things that will most surely uh, have to play out because they are already in motion. So it doesn't take any great uh, connections, you know, on the inside or intel or or anything occult to, to look at. No, 2024 is a big year. <laughs> and uh, if also if you've been on the planet in the same body for a few years and watched the timeline, you've seen a, a slowly unfolding train wreck, and uh, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's happening. And so, uh, Michael, thank you for your uh, go ahead. No, please. Uh, just good. just so both of you know, um, to, and to dispel the confusion, since we have two Michaels. Michael, I'm going to call you Michael, and Michael, I refer to you as Michael. So go ahead, please. <laughs> you know what's funny too, Bear, is we're both MWs too. Just to add to that. Oh man, so, I'm so out of I, here. Let me, let even, like, can I jump right in on there because this this is this is this is a lot of fun for me, and I think it's also like I'm going to tell a story, but it's it's metaphorical and it fits to what we're describing. Michael, can um, I can I quickly though? Can I just do the introduction? I want to introduce you to the audience because I know as soon as you get going, it's going to go into an amazing story. And if I can, just for those who don't know you, I, I want to do the quick intro we wrote up, and then can we go right into that? I'm in, I'm in your house. I'm going to oh, follow your beautiful rules. brother. Beautiful. So today you're the star um, of the show though today, Michael. <laughs> well, yes, I am. Um, yes. Yeah, so you. We, 
Um, today we have with us the distinguished Michael Wan, astrologer, storyteller, rejoins us for a probability glimpse into 2024 and how to navigate the last-ditch containment efforts of a flailing matrix. Michael Wan returns with his insightful knack of ferreting truth from mainstream fiction, and this episode will surely be as entertaining and, and informative as our prior chat with this master storyteller. I think it's been, man, like two years since we've had Michael on. Um, quote, by using Two matrix years. consciousness to navigate the matrix, you will always remain in the matrix. Today's tenuous climate of escalating encroachments on personal freedoms has only reawakened the free-range inclinations instilled by our creator. But there's a less discussed corollary in this collective journey. Freedom will continue to elude us in the absence of liberty, that is, the moral imperative to act in a just and responsible way. Quote, the first step to escape the matrix is training your awareness to be less focused on the matrix and more focused on the simulation and greater reality. And we will touch on these concepts today, simulation. Again, we, we talk about that a lot on our show. It does tend to trigger some folks. Um, I would love to get deep deeper into what Mr. Wan's take on that is. And of course, uh, we'll illuminate on how we see that. Um, uh, Michael has was born and raised in the heart of the machine in a Rockefeller-funded social experiment village located outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, shortly after 9-11, he began to slowly move away from mainstream living thinking and values while 2017 marked his entrance into the synchromystic alt-history podcasting realm with his groundbreaking research on the Susquehanna River. Since then, he has been a guest on countless shows, sharing his unique understanding of reality, consciousness, and society. In 2022, Michael accepted an invitation to present his findings to a group of high-ranking Freemasons despite not being a member of any secret society. I don't know, maybe Illuminati confirmed there. We'll, we'll touch on that. Um, but I was in that crowd, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't tell because you were in all your garb, uh, Bear. I take uh, off my Masonic ring before every podcast. Um, but immediately after that fateful night, uh, the infrastructure of Michael's personal life collapsed and a free fall began until he learned to fly. No longer an armchair culture critic, Michael has fully embraced life as a nomadic astrologer moving in and out of the matrix while no longer being a part of it. Now as a skywalker or arrow circulator, he travels the land in a circle, preparing it for a new paradigm that is different than the technocratic dictatorship the past four generations have been indoctrinated to both build and accept. And you can almost say, Michael, since the Gregorian calendar started. Um, he does this by teaching and practicing natural astrology as means to rewild consciousness outside of matrix paradigm programming. Michael's audiences find him light, fun, philosophical, and immensely creative with strong communication skills into the collective subconscious and the universal. Prepare to go deep into both destructive and transformative qualities of the subconscious. I had to get that out because that is a combination of Bear's genius and Mr. Wan's genius. Uh, one of my favorite write-ups uh, of the year being the first one. Uh, 
But what a way to start out the year. So stoked to have Michael with us today, Bear. Um, okay, yeah. take it yeah, away. Michael, uh, first off, thanks for being with us. I've been really looking forward to this because the first time we talked, it was way too much fun, and that's going to be even better this time. So thanks for making time with us. I have a, a couple questions, but I want to hear your story first. All right. So we just covered so many things. Like, like I was like, oh, we could go down that line, that line, that line. So I'm going to try to do my best to stay um, on this on the middle path. Uh, where, I, where I'd like to begin this is there, there were two things that we discussed before that introduction. And thank you very much, uh, uh, Winner. So there's there's Michael Win or Winner and Michael Wan, and it's it's so confusing and and it's fun. Like the the first time that I came on the show, like or, or when I first received that invitation, like I was, um, I was immediately um, drawn into the magnetism of the similarity of just the phonetics of the name, and it it grew from there. And you played upon that, like the you know when I refer to Michael, I'm referring to that Michael. When I'm saying Michael, I'm referring to the other Michael. And there's something fun about that and names. And I'm going to get into that in a moment, but I'm going to tie it into the question I had about 2024 being a big year. Um, a little bit alluded in the timeline, which you you shared in my introduction was like, you know, like 9-11 and then like 2017. And then I talked about like the whole Masonic sort of thing, but but it's really 2020. It was the 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 in my from my perspective, it was the 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 COVID thing, which is the real marker. And so I'm almost looking at this. We as call the uh, sorry to interrupt. Just so you know, for douche tube here, we we call that. What did we call it last time? MTs, uh, microorganism terrorists. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to we don't want to trigger the book burners here. Right. I don't uh, know like sorry exactly. For the interruption. Go ahead. So so I'll say that. So empty. So I and that's great because I look at it as just like a marker in time. I don't look at it as like an actual event. Like in my perspective, like it's right. nothing more than mind magic. Like it's 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 quite evident. But what is real, what is undeniable is life on earth changed. How we lived the like however you want to go and define it like you know it's gone up to the next level what have you so so it was really 2020 where i see like from the old like um bc to ad sort of change um there's the you know pre-mt or post-mt whatever we want to describe it so 2020 was a a big time i think for all of humanity but then um not e even if it's just defined as a big change from the paradigm like maybe nothing else has changed besides that but there is a, an undeniable change in life and so that is there's a universal way which anyone who participates in react in paradigm reality has felt that and arguably the only time in the history which they tell us all the different stories that something has been so universal has been like the biblical flood like uh, World War II didn't affect everyone on the planet. It affected people in Europe and in, let's say, in 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 the Pacific. But you know, there are other parts of the world which weren't impacted by that very big event. But the MT event that affected everyone. And so, so I look at that as a a marker in time of when things changed. 
And then specifically, you know, we have the universal, like how we're all affected, but then there's also like, how, how have you as an individual been affected? And, and certainly the course in my life had, uh, changed immensely. I, I said like nine 11, I started changing and then 2017 started changing and then 2020 things got like, that's when it really began this next iteration, at least of how I experience life and see myself. So that being said, that being said, in the from from that 2020. Can to, I say one thing about 2020? Yes, please. I, the, when the numbers again, right, is for me, 2020 was the great bifurcation year. So you had the 2-0 and the 2-0. So you had these 20s go that way. You had those 20s go that way. <laughs> and you kind of see it since, right? Like you see that ever since that pivotal year you have people that have woken up and figured out i don't ever want to go back that way and then you have the ones that have doubled down there's the two mm. again right on wanting to be right. really right. love their masks really love their big pharma tools and all that stuff so yeah it is the launch of a whole new paradigm in that sense and then 2021 Man. you had the one that, that was the first year for those that went on this way right and then, you know and then on and on so it's just yeah interesting number stuff and go then ahead. um it, it, sorry, I'll interject just my comment here is that if you go back a little bit, at least well over 20 years before 2020, a very few of us knew that 2020 was going to happen at that exact time. Because we had the evidence, we're working on the front lines and able to observe and verify certain things, as well as doing some master sleuthing into everything from patents and so forth. And we were back then saying, this is what they are going to do. So um, the bifurcation there, of course, was we were a handful of heretics uh, taking flack from everybody because it just seems so outlandish. But we knew for a fact that was true. Michael, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well I'll, I'll add on to that also. Like I've always looked at 2020 as like now you're going to see clearly. Because yeah. I also define it as that was the end of the conspiracy theory era, because if you were paying attention of True. all of like the the incredibly well integrated, um, the well integrated uh, uh, stepping of all of the institutions of paradigm prior to 2020, there was always like the theory, oh, everything is all connected and run. And then when 2020 happened, like, oh, no, everything really is exactly how we've always said, just to your point, Bear. Um, so it's the, the also the time of seeing clearly, of seeing how things are. So, and as you said, like uh, year one, year two, year three. So one of the things which I have noticed throughout, you know, my time is I've seen people go through a period where they've they've come up with a new name, they've they've renamed themselves. And, you know, I'll even use the, the artist formerly known as Prince, right? Like, you know, that's a great example on a on a celebrity level. But but I've known friends who one day they wake up and they say, I have a new name because I want everyone to call me such and such. And I've always understood that, like on a conceptual psychological reason on why someone is going to begin to define themselves or see themselves in a way that is different than what they were at a period of time. And I get that. And at the same time, I also always thought it was a little bit hokey. Like I, a, a good friend of mine who I've always called like such and such, I'm not going to all of a sudden change my name or how I refer to them. So 
I've held that within within my own self about this idea of renaming oneself. So around the year 2023, year three, if you will, um, uh, I was I was reading something. I was reading something um, there often in one of the way one of the techniques which I use to help navigate this mysterious experience which we're having is you can I I've am able to find truth in all sorts of like mundane things. I love reading books and being able to see something personal, how it reflects to me, uh, how it reflects to me personally in something which wasn't written, let's say specifically for me. And in 2023, I discovered first that William Penn, you know, the historical character, William Penn, who's behind the holy experiment of the colony of Pennsylvania and so forth. And I live in Pennsylvania. He was known, he was known and called by the Lene Lenape, the, 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 um, the people who were living in Pennsylvania when he was given, you know, um, control over the colony of Pennsylvania. They called him Mike Wan, M-I-K-W-A-N. And so my name is Mike Wan, like my birth name, like they, the people who birthed me and they named me, they named me Michael Wan, but I was always called Mike Wan. I was like, whoa, that's kind of interesting. And then I, I was curious. I'm like, well, why they call him Mike Wan? And they called him Mike Wan because of um, he would write in contracts. He would write with a, a quill, a pen, right? Uh, uh, and that was a feather. And they called him that because the Algonquin word for feather is Mike Wan. So it was kind of a nickname. They called wow. him that. So really, Mike Wan means feather. And feather fits in. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but that really, really hit this other sort of... Um, uh, narrative which I was beginning to decipher as my life began changing as like this 2020 like really changed the direction which I was going on and I was really beginning to re-establish my own understanding of myself and purpose and what I'm doing in life I'm like okay like you know this is the reason why people come up with new names and maybe it's time, like, I'm going to come up with my new name, this thing which I always kind of like rolled my eyes at other people with inside my, in, in my own mind. I'm finding myself in that same position where I'm going to have to go buy a new name. And so the new name I, I adopted, I went from Mike Wan to Mike Wan. <laughs> and it was perfect. It was just like what you're saying, Bear, with the Michael to Michael. Like it, the joke is like the name is the same. It's phonetically the same. But all of a sudden, the context has changed immensely. And so that's the story I wanted to maybe start this out with. And maybe we, we can talk about this. And it makes so much sense because we're at the beginning of a new calendar year. And we've been so conditioned to think like this is when things start again. Um, but as you said before we started um uh, recording bear is like, it's always just the present moment. It's always the present moment and at any given point you can start again and it's always fresh. And so, yeah. So I went through the period where I renamed myself from Mike Wan and I've accepted that my, my new name of Mike Wan and I will respond to Mike Wan, but I'll also respond to Michael as well. So that's how I went. I love it. And... I thought you were going to say you changed was... it to Mike Wanner. <laughs> maybe for this show when I, come I hear here, it sounds I can be like maybe Warner. there's a 
Uh, so uh, perhaps more of an energetic shift in your name change there. Uh, yeah, just an interesting side note, the reason why Prince, and I just had a little bit of an insight into this through some other people that knew him, is he changed his name to a symbol so that government agencies would have an impossible time processing him in their computer bank. And anybody who knows lawfare uh, understands that very well. So, and, and I think that's also going to be a good parallel into what we're talking about is ways of reframing consciousness. Like that was what you just described was a, a very practical sort of um, approach to meeting paradigm. But it's also like it's a, it's a, a metaphorical truth of to really be outside of paradigm. You have to think outside of the the indoctrination which the the lens you know the what we had before 2020 when we didn't see clearly we saw through a lens of reality which we were taught to see reality when we can begin to see things clearly as they are um then reality yeah. changes uh we could get into that in a little bit but yes i think that's a, a great a great um and anecdote and internally, when the light bulb comes on with the realization that I am not a name and what Prince uh, did, which just said, okay, try that one. Um, you know, of course, that's a great sh consciousness shift right there. And so when somebody's shoving a piece of paper in your um, face, you know, and saying whatever, it's, it's not a matter of just pragmatic. It's just, no, really, that's not me. Uh, it's not who I am as a conscious sentient being. Now, I had a couple uh, questions that I thought might get us going today. I don't know if it's so appropriate, but we have a lot of guests that, uh, and ourselves included, where we talk about uh, all sorts of terms like simulation, matrix, and so forth. And I watched a video of yours recently, which I think brilliantly uh, created a, just a little bit of demarcation as far as what those terms actually mean and in it you um mentioned matrix simulation and greater reality so would that be a place just to kind of set a context for whatever we're going to talk about certainly i think that's a great way to to start and i appreciate that um i mean it really definitions are are important so that we're all on the same page of what we think we're talking about not necessarily to say that the definition is the 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 final accurate meaning of a word but this is the meaning of the words which in the context which we're talking um so i i use simulation and matrix and paradigm kind of interchangeable and i use them as a way to provide a a, a demarcation so we can talk about concepts and so we've got uh, in fact i i three basic ones or three basic concepts. You've got uh, matrix simulation paradigm. That's one. You've got baseline reality, and then there's the greater reality. And the baseline reality might be referred or explained or thought of as how we would call the natural world. You know, all of the, like just the, the things of being physical and material in where we're having our experience in life. But the, the key aspect to really understanding baseline reality, 
at least in my context, is that it's not defined. That we recognize that the moment we begin defining the natural world, that suddenly we're stepping into a simulation. Suddenly we're stepping into at least a paradigm or a matrix. And that's not necessarily to say that there's a problem with naming things as much as it is, is stating a recognition that I know that when I'm naming it, that, that I'm kind of collapsing all of the other potentialities of what something could be. Like as soon as I call it a tree, and as soon as I start like thinking about things as a, as a tree, like I'm kind of limiting it as to like what we think a tree is. So we've got baseline reality in which we are having our, our experience and our experience being I'm alive or there's an aliveness tied to a physical body. That's my point of reference. And um, that that physical body has solid ground beneath the feet and we've got like sky above our head. And that is what we know for certain. And then once we begin to define or, or understand outside of that, like, yes, we're, we're figuring out our way, but there's still a, a mystery. And the mystery is like, well, where is all this place? Like, yeah, you, you're telling me it's space, but you just named it, you know? And so what I call the greater mystery is the, or the greater reality is the recognition that there's more. There's more to this physical, this baseline reality, but I'm not, I'm not trying to define that. I'm not trying to really even understand that as much as it is I, I um, honor it and respect it and realize that's part of the experience. And then the last part being um, simulation, matrix, or paradigm. And I'm going to use matrix as I continue to define it. So you've got matrix with a capital M and matrix with a lowercase m. Matrix with the lowercase m just means anything that we define. Like all cultures, the matrix, all language is a matrix, all definition or, or narratives to explain what this experience is. Like that's a matrix. It's just the nature of how our consciousness works. Um, matrix with a capital M is specifically like our, like the, 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 the paradigm and the culture that we're living in. The greater one being like going back to like the Gregorian calendar and maybe even for as long as there's been Western civilization, but more specifically, what we as individuals have been born into, like, you know, whether that's the United States, whether it's the United States since the 1970s, whether it's, you know, you know, working with computers, all of that. And so what I'm interested in, what I what I personally find interesting is is understanding that that is a model of experience what i just laid out between greater reality baseline reality and 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 matrix reality and then having a recognition that that capital m matrix paradigm reality is something that i do not necessarily want to continue to to feed like that's the big word like participate there's a little bit of a difference between participation and feeding. Like, obviously I'm participating in it because I'm on the internet and like I, I use dollar bills to like buy a cup of coffee. Um, so I'm participating, but I don't want to really feed it. And then also recognizing that my understanding of reality has been shaped. Like how consciousness works is consciousness forms to the matrix or the culture you're born into and by the time that 
mind is mature enough that you can begin to have at least what we think are independent thoughts, they're already formulated by the matrix that we're in. So the idea being is if I don't want to continue to feed or to create or build more of made of paradigm programming, I have to develop a technique, a skill set, or at least an awareness of how do I bring my consciousness outside of paradigm where I'm not even certain where it ends and begins and allow it to rewild because that's something we know about baseline reality baseline reality can show us how the realm works and we know that baseline reality will rewild if left to its own devices so if i'm capable of bringing my 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 conscious mind or my thinking mind and i am humble enough to realize that my thoughts have probably been formed by something else, if I can bring my mind outside of the realm, maybe put it into the greater reality, but as grounded as I possibly can, I can allow a rewilding to happen in my mind. And so from that, and this is, I, I realize this is a whole bunch of stuff, so we'll unpack this in a moment. I'm almost done here. From that, and which brings me to where I am right now in my journey and how I think it ties in to this collective journey, which we're all experiencing, is I'm not trying to change paradigm. I'm not trying to change the matrix because the whole matrix paradigm thought is about domination, domination over something else. So if I'm trying to change the paradigm, I'm already linked into it. I'm like, okay, I'm in a revolution with it. And that's built into it. How can I hold an energy inside of it without fighting it, without being part of it, and allow that energy to do what it's going to do? And that begins within my consciousness of being able to hold that in a way which is um, what I'll call maybe greater reality, baseline reality, um, groundedness. Hopefully that made some sense to you guys. I want you to ask it, me some questions it, so I can clarify that. It and, did to me. So uh, so the real artistry is being in the matrix, but not of it. Yes. And I think I heard you say that. Yes, yes. And then the question is like, well, what does that mean in practical terms? Like, well, how do you do that? <laughs> and 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 why do you do that? And like, and I, I this, and let me go and add this. So going back to year zero, going back to year one, where, or, or, you know, it started it, when the MT event occurred. Um, for those of us, like you were saying, Bear, who have been slowly beginning to see all of the, 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 the signposts along the way that something's happening, um, there are plans that are in place. And then, and then the event occurs and we can say for certain, we're like, okay, well, well, it's true. This isn't accurate. This is how this paradigm is really working. Uh, it's like they're, they're telling you what the plans are and the plans are really being rolled out and there's no mystery to it. How do I meet that? And so again, so the idea is to be in it. Not to feed it, not to fight it, but to hold a certain consciousness, to hold an energy and to go about, you know, your business. So when I describe this whole idea of like an arrow circulator, that's an older idea. This isn't Mike's terms. This is an idea which was introduced to me, which, you know, theoretically, like, how come that's not a paradigm? I and mean, we could talk about that. But 
the idea is like clear, clarity. I'm moving around and I'm doing what I call starboard ceremonies and I'm holding an energy. And I'm realizing that when I hold an energy and I talk about the things the way I see reality, that that's going to then go and meet with other people, how they're holding their energy and something happens. And I'm allowing that rewilding to occur. I have enough trust in the big picture, enough faith in the big picture that I don't have to control it or dominate it. All I'm trying to control is my own inner world, my own, like, can I hold my center? And do I know what my center is? And then just kind of go about it. And so that's really nice in theory. And then like, what does that look like in practice? And what does that feel like in practice? And like all of the layers. So so to, to then go back to um, the original point, 2020, it's like, that's when my life really began, began changing, like, like recognizing these things, recognizing them as concepts. And when I said that I, I moved from being an armchair culture critique to actually seeing what it looks like to not be part of that culture, to give up so many things that I've been indoctrinated to want. And I have learned to desire what does it look like to strip that away and to meet those 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 fears of that that stability from falling apart and then finding that there's another stability beneath that and then having the faith and the trust to continue that there's going to be there's going to be something at that next step even though i can't see it right in front of me and i think that this is something that we all who are in this in this position. And when I say we, I'm going to say the three of us here, anyone who's watching this, anyone who resonates with this idea, who's not watching this, we're all discovering this on our own or together, even though the journey may feel like it's individual. Uh, my new name for you yes. is, I was just going to say <laughs> is uh, Obi-Wan Shinobi. And... <laughs> Because it is Shinobi being like a ninja kind of, but it is sort of like a ninja coming in and out. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I just want to say it's so on point, dude. It's everything Alphabetic talks about. Don't fight the system. Don't resist. You know, be of in and of yourself uh, in your own backyard is the center of, of the of the universe in that sense, right? So go right. rewild your backyard. Go ahead, Bear. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. No, ironically, many of us in our endeavors to exit the matrix actually engage with it more. You know, I've done that myself a ton, especially evident in the lawfare processes, uh, you know, where we're wanting out. And of course, we end up doing things, even though they're correct and true and calling people out and, you know, uh, reestablishing ourselves as far as who we are and how we want to be noted within this world, but in fact, engaging even more. So it's, it's sort of a continued game of gotcha. We had a great uh, seminar up here, a workshop, we'll say at the farm where it was very, ex uh, a very experienced group that was versed in lawfare and a lot of legal processes and financial things. But the whole theme of it was, you know, it's an internal process and it has nothing to do with anything external. It's about shifting your consciousness. And then like magic, the 
not like magic, but it does seem to follow, at least in my experience, when you disengage in that most fundamental level, then those things that you are engaging with directly just end up not bothering you anymore in the first place. Right, right. And and I want to, I so this is one of the things which I think is, is or this is a great example of the, the paradox of what we're describing, of becoming aware or conscious of what it of actually living inside of a paradigm and recognizing that that paradigm is 100% self-reflective, meaning that everywhere you look in your life is reflecting the values of the paradigm, which if you weren't bringing awareness to it, you would think that it was a truth and saying that, well, I'm inside this, you know, a sphere and I'm trying to get outside of the sphere, but I can't see it. And recognizing I've got a blind spot and how do I find the blind spot? So that being said, the word magic, like, you know, we have this idea where we've been conditioned, like magic is something different than like regular reality. Like there's regular reality and then there's magic. And, <laughs> and that's part of the whole sort of naming thing. It's like, well, like one of the, the, the phrases I like to use is like, well, what, how does the realm work? Like the nature of the realm is what the paradigm would call magic. Like it, it becomes what you hold. And so learning to realize that that's not separate, that's not separate from the experience. That is the nature of the experience. And that's what gets so tricky about holding narratives or any sort of belief structure, regardless of how accurate it may be, is because if you hold it true enough, like if you are, when I say true, like you identify it to be like, this is the way things are, it will become self-reflected to you. So you're like, wow, I have to be really aware of what I'm holding because it will be proven to be true. It will be holding to be true. And this is why indoctrination is um, is so is such a powerful, like a self-continuing system or, or technique of the system is by indoctrination we are we are we are shaping the mind the young minds to see a world a certain way so that once it is mature enough the mind and the individual is mature enough they are then able to create a reality through their consciousness in a way that they've already been conditioned to create it and uh, this is one of my favorite examples and let me and and I want to go in and state this and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts one of the things I like to talk about a lot is this idea is like, there's no such thing as Monday. There's no such thing as Monday. Um, <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a self-referencing way of understanding, um, you know, the present moment. And the definitions of each of these days of the week are defined by themselves. Monday is defined by the day after Sunday and the day before Tuesday. So without the other six, those days don't exist. What this does is on the most basic level, it gets everyone on earth to understand a timeline on the same on the same level. Like it doesn't matter like whether it's eight days or seven days or, you know, we we anchored it into like heavenly bodies. The thing that matters is everyone is seeing reality the same way. They're understanding time. I've gotten everyone on the same page. And that page has nothing to do with actual observable reality. It's not grounded in reality. It's grounded in a concept. 
So the first thing which you learn when they put you in like in the in the indoctrination school systems is they teach you the days of the week. That is the foundation of what they want the minds to understand. So let's like take that as an idea and then bring that forward. So we talked about the event of 2020. And a lot of people who maybe aren't as as conceptual as what we're describing right now, they might ask themselves, they're like, this is so foolish. Like, how does the entire world just go along with this? Like, how can they not see it? And I'll say, well, the entire world has already agreed. It's Monday. Like, that was the hard thing. Like, that stuff was done. Like, once that has been established, that I'm willing to give my, my conscious sovereignty over to a concept that this, that this is a day of the week, and I know that this means that, and I'm not questioning it, then I'm already, like, committed to, like, whatever the Pied Piper. If he's got a good enough story, and if enough other people are going to tell me that the emperor is wearing clothes, well, I'm just going to go along with it. And when you begin to see that is, like, how it works, and then you're like, okay, do I got the balls to really question everything? Do I have the I <laughs> balls to go and, like, really say, um, I'll say this one last thing. There's nothing in the natural world that lives well in um, in uh, in in um, too much of something like, you know, uh, we don't want to hoard. Hoarding does not work in the baseline reality in the natural world, but we are uh, thought to live in our in our paradigm world that I want to hoard as many dollar bills as I can so that I can get my freedom like hoarding that doesn't exist in reality that's a paradigm concept so then when I'm talking about the balls this is what I mean is like well if I know that hoarding money meaning like needing more than I need at the given moment is not a truth to the realm it's only a truth to the paradigm do I have the courage to not live in that mentality and so that's been one of the things I've been learning to live with is like, can I live on that edge without like just having enough money to get by so that I can be in the system, but not part of the system? Can I live? Can I really, really embody those truths? Um, this is those that's an example of of at least the way I'm meeting this time. And by sharing these stories, it's not to say other people need to, to live this way, but it's to hold an energy. So people be like, oh, well, there are other ways in which we can hold energy at this time and see how reality has has meets it. Now, the the one the corollary to that before I stop on my 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 dialogue or my monologue is that I have discovered or I have witnessed or I've experienced that as soon as I think like, oh shit, this is it. Like always something shows up. There's always that next step that shows up along the way. And that is seemingly the truth of the magic of this realm. Like it's here to support you when you really, really have faith that the realm is here to support you. Paradigm's just not here to support you. I would describe <laughs> I would describe magic first off as science, real science. And you know, a construct like Monday goes so deep. You know, we have a little inside joke around here to deal with that. We just say TGIF every single day of the week. And it's just so it's kind of that that sort of attitude. 
But if you consider that Monday is pegged to so many artificial constructs, uh, number one, well, you have to get up in the morning and do something that you don't want to do, because if you don't do it, then by the time you're my age, you might run out of little baubles, you know, to justify your existence before you croak. So it's, it's all part of this death cult. And then mm -hmm. every day of the week is pegged to some other concept. You know, we have Wednesday hump day. Oh, thank God we're halfway through with the week and we wish away our life uh, until Friday night. And then Monday comes way too quick. And that's uh, really not rewilding. It's, it's part of the whole construct, of course. You know, the old alchemists had it really down as far as understanding the three attributes within this magical realm, if we want to call it that. You had the Mercury, which, of course, was the anonymous, uh, omnipresent life force and intelligence. And then in order to create a simulation, our ideas uh, shape shift that that mercury, that substance, that intelligence, and whatever we want. And then, of course, we can create constructs within constructs and so forth. So uh, that's uh, that's my comments on that, Michael. Can I add to the one. Monday real quick before before winter, oh, yeah, at, go for it. before winter hits it out of the park? Um, so if you go and you look at um, like the, the, you know, the, the paradigm loves statistics. And I kind of like my mind is is wired to statistics. It was all the baseball cards they gave me as a child. And so I look at the statistics <laughs> from the CDC of deaths. And so we've got like a like a whole bunch of information and the deaths, like the number of of deaths per day of the week. And the law of big numbers would say says that when the numbers are big enough, like when we have enough data that there's going to be an equal distribution of something. So theoretically, there should be an equal number of deaths on the same day of the week. Like people would just randomly die whenever they die. And so that's not true at all. So first off, the most people die, more people die on, I think it's Friday and Friday and Saturday. Those are the days where the most amount of deaths are. It's because just as what you're saying, thank God it's Friday. Let me go out and get drunk. Let me make poor decisions and then I'm going to die. Like, you know, whether it's it's like a car crash or whether it's like, you know, you do something silly, like you, you pull out a gun at a saloon or what have you. So those are the days of the week, which which based upon like this weekend sort of consciousness mentality, those have like the highest amount of deaths. So that makes sense. I'm going to put that over in another in its own sort of separate pot. The other days of the week, then those should be like an equal distribution, but they're not an equal distribution. There is a statistically observable phenomenon that more people die on Monday than any of those other five days of the week. And so why is it? It's just like what you're saying. It's like a lifetime of dread, a lifetime of dread, like whatever it takes, you know, when when we transition from this to whatever comes after this is like I, I'm assuming that there's like, OK, I'm ready to let go, you know, like whatever that process is there is a measurable effect that more people are like, now is the time I'm willing to do it than any of the other times. And that is, that's a real measurable phenomenon. And that's magic. That's, that's like, you know, it should not exist, but it was made to exist because it was brought into material reality just through programming of consciousness because Monday doesn't exist yet. Somehow this thing became real. 
And in the realm of magic, that's called a spell. There we go. And and how do we spell, well, Monday? The word Monday obviously uh, relates to moon, moon day. And talking about artificial constructs, of course, we have the moon. Um, and, you know, we currently, I believe, and I think it's pretty obvious, we live in the age of the sun. We live in a solar age, right? Everything's based around the sun. We're talking about calendar and the new year. Well, that's all based around the sun and it's wacky. It's like some days are 30 days and you have a one day that's 31 days. And then you've got a today. This is a leap year, by the way, guys, we're in a leap year this year, which we could talk about. Um, and so, but but so we Sunday, of course, is our day of rest is the day that we we get our one day to hang out and rest and then hang out with family. And the the, the irony is when I was a kid, Sundays were the day of dread for me. I never felt good on Sundays. Well, one, I had to go to church, but two, I was like just thinking about the impending doom of Monday. Right? I got to go back to school. And so I had a, I literally would get a sick feeling in my stomach on Sundays. Saturdays were awesome because Saturdays I had that extra day ahead of me. How ironic is Saturday is Saturn, right? So the the the, the dark Saturn connection between Saturn and the moon, and you know, like David Ike's talked about the the Saturn Moon Matrix and all of that stuff, whether you believe in that or not, with the black cube and how the reality is controlled in that way. But it is interesting that. We look towards Sunday as this bright, illuminating day where Monday is demeaned. But if we really look at the true reality of the calendar, the lunar cycle makes way more sense. 13 months of 28 days actually lines up correctly. Then we get our one day of rest, which is the resurrection of Christ, right, where the where the year is supposed to start in April, which makes way more sense because that's the the time of rebirth, the time of of actual everything waking up. And so I just bring all this up because it's just that way backwards insanity of our reality right now from this capital M matrix around the, the sort of the the artificial constructs that we're forced to exist in. And personally, I've been kind of playing with this theory that the I know there's this whole really solid foundation around the moon being an artificial construct and how it was placed here and how there's ancient civilizations that like in Africa that don't even mention in existence. And I do believe we are at one point in a lunar age. Um, and that moon though was not artificial. I believe that was a plasma projection of consciousness. And at that time, that moon was serving us in the feminine magic of the reality. And because we now live in this sort of solar age that is egoic, that is very much focused on um, sort of the, the individual power structure and all that, we've demeaned the moon into this sort of static, doesn't rotate controlling thing because our consciousness has been flipped. And I do believe we can turn Monday into something beautiful when we go back to understanding that actually, you know, the feminine nature of the moon is actually beautiful. It doesn't have to be this control matrix thing that so many people in our um, in our community love to talk about, like the idea of the soul trap and all of that, right? Thanks to the moon. So I just bring that up because I think we can flip the switch on Monday if we really want to. I think we can flip the switch on anything, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, na the nature of this experience is like, whatever you're going to really believe in, you can you can create that reality. Me personally, I'm always trying to go down to the most 
grounded or baseline? Like there's a there's a reality for like, okay, well, let me put my feet here because I don't know what any of this here is. And I've been lied to so many times that a lot of the abstract ideas, which I can't demonstrate to be true, like, I don't know if that's just like more like bullshit. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Let me become grounded in the most real, tangible stuff I can work with and then still be a little bit suspect of it. But but And then from there, begin to build an experience, a reality, hold like whatever my mission purpose for this this life experience is. Um, I, all I, I need to know about the moon. I was just going to say all I need to know about the moon I get from Pink Floyd. Well, so I've, I go really, um, I, we introduced myself and I've introduced myself as, as an astrologer, let's say. Um, but I don't, I don't practice what I call cultural or common astrology. We're, we're in the golden age of astrology right now. What I mean by that is what was once a very, very esoteric sort of thing is like even 40 years ago or 30 years ago, like if you wanted to study it, you had to get a book or you had to have a teacher, but now you could go on the internet and you could type on YouTube, like, what does this mean? And that mean like, so th that's what I mean by the golden age. Um, and so I, uh, I've been able to pay bills through astrological services for quite a few, for quite a few years. Um, but at the same time, I'm really, really suspect of it. Like, like our cultural astrology is filled with contradictions. And if you go and you look at the history of like where astrology comes from, it comes from the same people who gave us slavery and gave us government and taxation. So I'm like, well, I don't know how much I want to go and trust this. So, so I'm going to go two places with this. Uh, one is the type of astrology which I practice, I call natural astrology, which is a whole lot less on the Babylonian mythology, um, which is embedded into like, you know, whether you Western or Vedic or sidereal astrology, sidereal or, or tropical astrology, all of that is like about egoic, is egoic sort of nature. Like, let me look at myself as separate from this experience. And natural astrology is kind of like a, a midpoint between astronomy and astrology, meaning that uh, the astronomy aspect is like, go, like you need to understand the act, like look out in your environment and be able to identify like what's in, going on in this, in the heavens and knowing what's happening, those rhythms, those real rhythms, those actual calendars. And then also holding it though in a mystery, meaning like, I don't think I know what it means, but I recognize that's, that's the biggest, the biggest real thing that I can see with my eyes. So I'm going to say that and then a comma. That being said, like I know all this stuff. I've I've heard all of the 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 this is an artificial moon and the moon is you is in cohorts with with Saturn to be a mind control mechanism and I'm like if I'm following all of these these cycles in the sky am I like doubling down on that level of like of like mind control. And so I just want to be like how I'm meeting this as someone who says they're an astrologer. I'm welcome. I'm open to two ideas. Like that's just, that could just be paranoia. Like, because paranoia is a real thing too. And if you hold enough paranoia, you're going to find that to be true as well. 
or maybe that's not true. So I'm holding, I hold my understanding of the moon. I hold my understanding of Saturn. I hold my understanding of what we call the heavenly bodies in this kind of like, I'm not certain yet. And as more evidence comes to show me that this is actually a, a, a mechanism of, of, of like soul trap or control, what have you. Well, then as soon as I see that evidence, well, I'm willing to drop something which no longer serves me or imprisons me, but I'm not necessarily going to jump from one story, which was told to me by an authority to another story, which was told to me by the anti-authority because that hasn't gotten me anywhere. So, so it's like, this is how I personally like kind of, find that middle ground between like, this is part of being of us all like figuring our way through this system. Like what is, what is something we can count on? What is something we can? And then recognizing that wherever we put our consciousness, it will show some truth to us. It will reflect that. Astrology. I think astrology can be much more tangible. I've purposely not got into um, all the intricacies of, creating charts for people and so forth. But as a full-time farmer these days, and I also have a spagyrics lab, all of those endeavors require really kind of tuning in on how energy shifts every single day, different times of the year. And with time, you can actually verify that there's a real palpable resonance that's Mm -hmm. happening. And if I do certain things at certain times with a conscious awareness of tapping into that level of resonance, because it's going to facilitate whatever I'm trying to do. To me, that's very real. Now, is that definitely, can I say for sure that's resonance from the time clock or is it just a resonance I'm creating with my own projections? I think it's a little bit of both myself, but I think that's uh, where astrology can be very valuable to the point that it doesn't become overly mental and you can no longer tap into that other side of yourself that just feels. Uh, first off, are, are you specifically referring to what's called biodynamic farming? Like the farming? I do with biodynamic farming. Uh, you know, I've learned permaculture, biodynamics, a number of techniques. And of course, just like in a medical practice, you learn a lot of things, but then you make it yours by orchestrating it in a way that suits your personality. I've done the same thing with farming techniques, but biodynamics is a big part of my learning because I was, you know, big in the Steiner for a long time as well. On the other hand, I don't have herds of cattle and things doing the true biodynamics. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a level of biodynamic principles orchestrated within a permaculture model, along with some real science that allows me to understand electricity and how that plays into everything I do. So whatever there's you want to call a, that, I have no idea. There's rewilding biodynamics to his his own philosophy. Coincidentally, <laughs> because you know how we love coincidences. Um, I'm right now. I'm recording from uh, a a. Uh, I'm staying at a um, biodynamic farming community. And oh, great. Are, are you familiar with with this with this uh, biodynamic planting calendar, Stella Natura? Uh, actually, I am. Actually, I am. 
Yeah. Right. So I just like right before the recording of this call, I just met with the woman who does this. So if you go and you see the woman mm-hmm. who's responsible for it, her name is Sherry, Sherry Wildflower. You could see right there. This is her yeah. community she's at. And we just like did this whole thing with the starboard, which I'm just trying to point out like the the interwovenness of our interests and our um and our actual actions. I personally am not, I'm not a farmer and I don't really subscribe or or to any of the Steiner philosophies. I don't really subscribe to any philosophies, but I I certainly respect a lot of them and I find it uh I find it great that you're fam- are very it tickles it tickles my fancy to know that you're familiar with this and I just met with a woman who this is the last year she's she's done this for 49 years. I think that's how long she said, maybe 29 years. And this is her last, this 2024 is the last year she did it and she handed it off to someone else. But it's, there. there's definitely this community, which I'm talking about, where we're interwoven on a level which is which is very, very deep and observable if you know how and where to look. Steiner was amazing and very astute, obviously, and tapped in. And he was born into a certain time. We're not... I believe I don't believe supposed to be stuck at that point of time. Things evolve, they expand, and rewilding really has nothing to do with being a Steiner follower or a follower of anything. We learn what we can from all the places you learn, and then you make it your own experience. There we go. There we go. Yeah, because that's a great example, right, of going right back into matrix paradigm thinking when you're like, I'm only a Steiner uh, anthroposophist or I am only uh, you like we talk about Walter Russell a lot. And then we get flack from people that are concerned about the shape of the realm. And because the hardcore Walter Russell people say this is the shape it has to be. And it's like, I don't even know if Walter Russell would get so tuned in on that debate. Right. Um, so now Russell, Russell put out a certain cosmogony based on certain verifiable concepts and did talk about globe models. But if you really get deep into it, it's not at all what we were taught in grade school. Um, sorry, Mike, go ahead. I was just going to say too, Mike on that, on the biodynamic stuff, and going back to the moon, it's funny. I pick. I haven't picked up one of these in so long. I picked up an old farmer's almanac, almanac for 2024. Um, just was in the grocery store. I'm like, it's so funny. This is just in a normie grocery store, right? This has got so much esoterics in it. But planting by the moon's phase, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that um, farmers have been doing way before Steiner. I mean, this is just ancient, ancient stuff going back to the Romans and and. You know, Babylonians. I believe that 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 almanac was originally um, published by Ben Franklin, right? He's the and one started all, it, and it's all Amish Pennsylvania stuff, uh, like where it really yeah. like took root in yeah, our exactly. What so one of the things which I in my like going back to this idea of arrow circulation, um, so like ideas. I love what you're saying bear about like, you know, it's, it's we're we're coming around and we, we are exposed and I'll call an idea just like an energy. We expose ourselves to different energy. And if we kind of are able to hold our own center and then be able to uh, move around with all of these different ideas or concepts, like you're able to, you know, take what sticks, 
uh, release what doesn't and like have no sort of egoic battle with like, you know, this is who I am. or I identify with a certain thing. That being said, like what I found to be immensely like enjoyable and satisfying and true, like having an actual um, like effect is I do that in the most literal sense. Like I want to put my physical body in a location where something has happened and just like, like it impacts me. So I'm here at the Steiner place right now. I, I arrived yesterday. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about it maybe um, after this and I'll, and I'll be moving on in two days. You mentioned um, Walter Russell. He's in Virginia. Like that's where, uh, that's where, what is it called? Like Swania, like his mansion. I just know W-A-N-N is in it. That's why I remember it. But like, so when I go through, when I go through Virginia, like I'm very aware of like this man held this energy in the same place where the CIA does all of their remote viewing and 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 Robert Monroe did all of his stuff. But like being able to like when you move about the 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 countryside, like the literal country which we live in and have an awareness of the different individuals and organizations that held energy in that land and it's still held in that land, like to me that's like the most that's been the most fun that I've been having over the last five or six years is bringing that awareness to the, the, the actual experience of life and being in a location and saying like, okay, what happened here? And like, how does this impact me? Particularly if I can hold my own center, but be open to like what is in the, in the soil here and not be taken over by it. Yeah. And if you understand the science of magic, you realize that every geographical location that has had human experience leaves a very real etheric imprint that can be tapped into more powerfully in that exact area than trying to tap into that informational field somewhere else. Definitely. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I will say the thing that I've really appreciated lately about Steiner, and uh, I must thank Bear for this, is reintroducing me to Goethe, uh, the fantastic German poet, natural I call him a natural philosopher. And um, Bear has introduced me to a book recently I'm reading um, and going into Goethe's um, true scientific process. And I, I, he has a process called, it's like uh, sensorial fantasy. Is that what it's called, Bear? Um, I actually have the note here exact sensorial yeah. fantasy and this is how in true scientific ways we can observe reality without being stuck in the lens of the pure sensorial uh, single eye black and white picture that you know science uses that thinks to like david hume and Locke and all these guys that were the sort of uh, empiricists you know um that only saw reality from the picture frame supposedly and that we can't actually get into the true reality right which is really the the frame of mind that modern man has and that's why we're in this the mess we're in but goethe was really a freaking genius because he was able through looking at plants to actually discern how um, one, our consciousness has a direct reflection and in, in, in interaction with nature, but also how we do have the ability to discern reality without being stuck in the matrix of, of imagery. Um, and that book, by the way, is Man or Matter by Ernst Lairs. I don't know if Bear was looking for it right now. I, 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 if you're really nerdy into philosophy and stuff, man, this book is so phenomenal. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Bear, for introducing this to me. Um, and I'd love to do a Actually, whole show on Goethe eventually. 
I was just looking for a couple other books by Goethe himself, which have oh, to yeah. do with color, sound, and and plants and so forth. And you know, Steiner took it a little bit differently into the anthroposophical mindset, where he looked at all the senses as a bipolar situation, where we're supposed to be operating on both dipoles, which is uh, you're, they're receptive, they're taking in information, but then the real thing that Goethe is saying in a different way is that those same sensory apparatuses are supposed to be projecting our imagination and therefore creation within the realm. And we have been reduced to just receptive robots without even imagining, well, losing the ability to imagine, letting alone being able to imagine that what we imagine is creating our reality. And that's well, what Goethe was about. Isn't that what we're seeing? Like the 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 line in the introduction about four generations of being indoctrinated to build and accept a technocratic a technocratic dictatorship is is the whole idea of Disney's capturing the imagination. If I indoctrinate someone to see reality a certain way, they're going to use that process which you're just describing, but they're using it like to go and create you know, create what has been laid before them. Um, what I, I also want to throw this out. I, I think it's funny that we got to Goethe is um, like he referred to himself. Um, his code name for himself was a Barris. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. So a Barris, a Barris is the Skywalker. A Barris is the cir oh, is circulator. So like this is like as an idea, he's like this supposed like this comes from like from Greek history that there was this 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 um, Mongolian shaman who came and who came and found uh, 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 Pythagoras and they both mm -hmm. were like members of the cult of Apollo and blah. And their whole purpose, like Abaris was the Skywalker who was circling the world and all he was doing was preparing for the next iteration of life. And so like I, I've adopted that uh, as a really like as a as a, a tangible approach to living life and as like a, a like a, as a guideline. And so when I saw that Goethe also like uses that as a name, like like it's a playbook. It's a way of meeting reality. <laughs> it's not like not necessarily limited to a person or at least I don't think it is as much as it is limited to an approach of how we go and we meet living life in whatever the 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 time space is that we're in body. Brilliant. Amazing. So um, all of this being said, uh, looking into the stars as you do uh, <laughs> from your perspective, what is 2024 going to bring? Not expecting any uh, predictions or anything, but what are you feeling as far as the collective rewilding experience, which is uh, what they're pulling out all stops to prevent? Um, like, well, so... Generally speaking, I don't approach astrology that way. Um, mm -hmm. my, Not my, in a deterministic sense. Right, but, right. So, yeah. so the way I, uh, natural astrology to me is like, it's a practice. And the practice is about integration with life's natural rhythms as defined by the rhythms of what we can observe in the heavens. And so it is my approach uh, particularly as it relates to me, you know, the sound like it's all it's 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 
in the healthy way, it's all self-centered because that's what you can control is like, you know, yourself, myself, and so forth. I'm interested in one, becoming very, very familiar with the movements of the heavens. And I do that by how I formulate my own um, my own day timers, like, you know, the stuff I'm going to do, the planning of the unfolding of life. And then I have a tool which is called the starboard. It's basically like a, it's a game board replica of what an astrological chart is. And what an astrological chart is, is a literal map of the heavens at a given time <laughs> with the, the, the line that goes across, the diameter that goes across is the plane of the earth. So above that plane is what's visible in the sky and so forth. I put on the starboard, I move, I have stones that represent the planets and I know you know, I've got an ephemeris. I know when they move and I, I know where they're located and I treat it like a game board. I move the, those pieces around. Um, I change it usually at the fate changes of the phases of the moon. And I also have like my chart on the board. So I have two charts, one simultaneously or someone else's. And the whole purpose is this. The reason why I'm telling you this bear is to the purpose of doing that is integration. Like, I'm not trying to like interpret. I'm not trying to create another matrix for myself. I'm trying to surrender to these movements, which is why I say like, uh, why I'll question myself. Do I really want to surrender to the movement of Saturn? Do I really want to sit? You know, I'm open to that being a question, but until I have reason besides like David Icke telling me that I shouldn't, um, because <laughs> Rudolf Steiner would tell me I should, uh, I do that because it's the most real thing and so my future, the way I look at the um, the unfolding of this next calendar year is I just more or less look one lunar cycle in advance. That's as far as I can I can um, play out. I personally think that eclipses are really interesting, and so I look at eclipses and I ask myself, where do I want to be when this eclipse happens or that eclipse happens? And what's what what is so what I think um, very, very personal about understanding what you can do with, with natural astrology or really any astrology is what they call understanding transits is when the present time placements of any of the heavenly bodies corresponds with the time date stamp of where, where the planets were when you took your first breath. I look at those and I take those as key markers. What are they markers for? I'm not going to interpret it. I just say that this is a time that I should be looking around in my life because apparently like the energies are lining up and what should it be? Well, um, look and see what's happening. Who are the people that are showing up in my life or disappearing? What am I feeling inside? What are the circumstances? How do I meet that? So, so I tend to be a little bit more of a, I, I like to look at it as a dance, a dance with reality. And this, this is when I talked about this a little bit earlier is like, and then having faith, having faith that it's going to be okay. And even if something's uncomfortable, you know, this is part of my, this is part of my process. So I don't look at predictions. Uh, I don't look at the stars from a predictive model. Um, I don't even, what I do like to look at is sometimes what they're telling the mainstream culture through, through the media as to what's going to come. And I like to like, 
like look at that sort of stuff, but I definitely don't want to use the heavens. This is what they've done is they've used the heavens in the as a means to um to to further establish, I think, a game plan. Uh it's in my opinion the only reason why um astrology is seemingly true is because it has been anchored. Mythologies have been anchored to the sky. And that's why it seems to be true, but it's as true as um, as any type of anchoring. The best example being a, uh, a, a what do they call it? A PTSD, a, a triggered response. Like someone who has a triggered response to something, like it's real that they are really triggered. And there is a real thing that caused a real emotional response. But what's not universally true is the cause and effect. Like if you like they're not universally like connected. And so through countless generations of connecting like certain parts of the ecliptic to meaning a certain different thing, like it's true because it's it's anchored in our collective consciousness, but I, I have no reason to believe that that's universally true. In fact, I have every reason to believe that what Winner said earlier, like I can flip that switch, but I'm, I'm going to the more baseline reality is like, I at least understand the movements of the parts which are in play and I don't necessarily have to come up and rely on their meaning system. I can look at my own life and my own determination to create my own meaning system. And then just as what you're saying, like uh, with Goethe and the looking at the plants, being able to use my own mental and conscious faculties and have an imprint on the way my life is unfolding. And anything less than that would just only serve to limit our possibilities and why would we want to do that? Yeah. We're limiting yeah, exactly. our experience. Exactly. Well, I will say if you're looking for someplace great to go <laughs> on the eclipse, Confluence uh, in Texas will be right there under the full, what do you call it? The um, It's the full eclipse. It's like right where it's going over, where we'll be on a farm. Uh, it's a gathering there. I'll be DJing every day at it. Um, very similar to how where we met, you know, at Jim Gale's right. event. Similar crowd, so, uh, uh, same people. So I only bring that up because I do believe that who you surround yourself with is extremely important, right? <laughs> I was actually uh, talking about that event yesterday to, you know, Emily Moyer, don't you? I would love to get in contact with Emily. Both We both have an affinity for techno music, electronic dance music. And I've always enjoyed her shows over the years and I love her mind. Um, we have seen her in the YouTube chat here and there uh, in the past for AlphaCast. But would you please get me in uh, I would connection definitely. with her? Thank you. And she and I were literally talking about you yesterday. And we were oh. talking about the the techno correspondence. And and she lives in Austin. And so we... We were we, she and I used to do a show together, and so we were we were just kind of talking about re of when we're going to reconnect. And so yeah, this is all just as this is lined up perfectly, and mine and your and mine and Emily's, and now yours and Emily's conversation are going to be lined up um, as well. And 
to me, this is what we're doing right now. Like is like, this is the, 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 the mycelium network of human beings that is becoming more and more evident of connection of this other community outside of that system. And we're all kind of meeting it on a different spot of, of the continuum of where we are in our lives. So I may be there. I definitely talked about possibly being there. And the other possibility, which was interesting, was the eclipse. Like, you know how they 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 show the map of where the eclipse uh, over the continent, the North American continent, they show you where it is visible. And there was another eclipse in 2017, which was a pretty big deal, which went across the United States from, Oregon, I think it was Oregon. like Oregon to South Carolina. That was a big one. Where those two are intersecting, where those two lines are intersecting with, I guess, seven years in between is um, Koyoka. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. The um, the large mound structure in Illinois, that's where those lines intersect. It was where whatever the harmonic convergence was, like that was a thing in 1987, that occurred right there as well. And so I've I've entertained the idea of possibly being there on the day of the eclipse. But but this is part of like my planning. Like when you ask Bear, like, well, what's the future hold? Like these are the things I'm asking. Like, well, I want to be for the eclipse. I'm sure Bear where, where a do harmonic I want to convergence have my personal energy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was uh, I was there. That was uh, in my formative years long ago. And by the way, you know, Deb, uh, little side note on on that event, Michael uh, and Michael. Deb brought my attention to an article on Epoch Times, which is kind of a conservative rag, but it was talk. They did an interview of somebody who a farmer who was lamenting about being chased out of California and had to move to Texas. And uh, we looked at it together and it was oh. her, Molly. <laughs> and uh, so I got a kick out of that. Um, hmm. I, I have thoughts. Uh, how do I say this delicately? And it's not meant to be a criticism of anybody. I don't like to hear it's none of my business, but when people say, well, I had to leave a certain place because things were made difficult by certain people. Um, now, Deb and I are born and raised here and generational and come from ranching families in Northern California. So my thoughts is I don't care if they throw the kitchen sink at me here, you know, government, governor Newsom or whatever. Um, they have to leave. I don't have to leave. This is my place. I'm imprinted here. Now, Molly's from somewhere else. So it was easier for her to leave. You know, she came from the East coast, uh, created a wonderful place in California and things got a little rough, um, as far as more regulations and things. So she beat feet, but that's not going to fix anything. It's not going to fix a darn thing. And uh, with, uh, you know, rhinos like government, Governor Abbott and Texas or anything, it's no different there. It's no different anywhere. Tons of people moved to Florida and now it's the same old thing in Florida. So I, I guess uh, just a little bit of a rant off topic to just say, folks, um, find out where you're supposed to be. And that has nothing to do with anybody else. And nobody has a say about that. And if we want to reclaim or rewild is what our discussion is about, it's not going to happen if somebody chases us out with our tail between our legs. Can I just say one thing on that? Uh, my new name for the governor, I used to call him Gruesome Newsome. I don't, I'm calling him now just Governor Nuisance 
because that's all he is. is <laughs> yeah, a nuisance. perfect. So American I think that, psycho. <laughs> I, I I think that the idea you just kind of like the 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 more general, not the commentary, but the more general of people moving around and why one would need to move, um, like is 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 something worthy of of or at least in in my experience in my life like that is that's that's important for understanding where we are in this rewilding process um and uh, a couple uh comments to that like one is like definitely like you not without with your tail between your legs like should anyone move but sometimes life speaks in such a way that like now's the time to move, you know, and 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 that I think a lot of that is Great. is like the difference between the two is very like a, it's like it's a texture. Like it's like your internal, yeah. like how you're holding the energy, because it could be seen the same way. One is empowering and one is like like, as you're saying, like your tail between. Your exactly. Legs. Ha yeah. Has nothing to do with moving. Deb and I have been nomadic our whole lives. It's just kind of our nature. Uh, when, you know, our first big move long time ago with a young family was in, you know, we, it was time to search for better waves in the South Pacific. So we moved to Fiji, uh, you know, there's different reasons for right. moving and, and understanding and understanding it that way. So yeah, moving forward to where we're going, we've got like, as you're describing, like all of the flavors of what it's like, um, you know, in, in different states based upon whatever the state laws are, whatever the flavor of, of like, you know, the, the cultures in that place and people are moving around. I think the idea of how we understand our relationship with how of where we live and like homesteading and home free, being free of a home, like being nomadic, um, that is coming into an existence, like going back to this idea of there's a community of people who are beginning to become aware of like things that we didn't even realize were paradigm were paradigm. And that is that's adjusting. And that makes this makes me very excited Um because as I've been moving around, I've been staying with people as I've been realizing what it's like to not have a permanent address, like what what that brings and what that, you know, the the limitations of that. And then also the freedom that comes along with that. It only really works with people who then also have like who are grounded in a ground who've like just as you said, like the where where you've established yourself and being able to think at least how I'm doing it right now is I'm thinking about it much more so in this, this circulation of energy sort of way, not really paying attention to like the, the borders as much. Like, I mean, obviously I got to pay attention to that uh, from the hassle of, of interacting of the paradigm. But as we go forward, if we're really going to go and move outside of uh, of that paradigm and discover a new way like we we all got to begin to 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 reframe how we understand our permanency and then also our our um our our fluidity with with movement in life and i'll just say this one last part which is personal like traditionally in my life traditionally in mike's life i've been really really connected to the idea of like i love home like I like my home. I like all of the things that come with like a home. I used to have like professional jobs, which 
were in the home industry, all of the different ways. Um, and as I said, like the, the whole sort of like the, 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 your, per, my personal life like imploded and there was a free fall until I learned to fly. What that really was for me was there was a part of me which was really, really emotionally tied to the idea of the security and safety of like, I got a house, I got a permanent address, this is where I come from, and I'm at home here and a resistance to like being nomadic and what even nomadic means. And so in a different circumstance than probably what you described as having to leave California with, with your tail between your legs. Like I definitely had my tail between the legs, like the way my life kind of like collapsed and it put me in the, in a lot of uncomfortable circumstances where I had to become comfortable with no longer having where I, I define my stability and my security. And one of the most, you know, the most synchromistic you know, one of the beauties of having a synchromistic uh, perspective is all of your life is is a dream construct, which is capable of giving you like feedback. And I found myself living in what's called Gnome countryside for about four months. And like that's spelled G-N-O-M-E, like the gnomes. But I'm like, phonetically, that's nomadic. And so like really stepping into this nomadic thing. It wasn't until calendar year 2023 that I fully embraced, like I was on the road without a home for about a third of the year, uh, what that looks like. So where I'm going with all this is like, as this shift is taking place, it's not just how we're living or where we're living, but it's how we're, a pre how we're internalizing or understanding that as well. And some of us, I think, are going to go through a um like a pretty wild uh magnetic pole reversal like like bear it sounds like you did that you did that um with purpose in a younger and earlier part of your life with fiji i don't think i had that with purpose in my life so mine was more extreme but like some of us are going to have extreme changes and some of us are you know from being nomadic to suddenly becoming really really solid to a place and vice versa that may be something which is going to be happening more in individual people's lives, I would say, in the coming calendar year. Yeah. And, you know, you go through different phases in life, and it wasn't until more uh, later phases for myself that we actually grew some roots, not just for the sake of it, but because we wanted to create something. And it takes a number of years to create what we're doing here. You know, there's an interesting study done, uh, study, I cringe every time I hear that word, but it was uh, an intelligence test. It was constructed, not the typical ones you get in school, but just to see how people can think on their feet in very authentic ways. And it was done worldwide. And the most, uh, the, high, the people that tested highest on the scores were nomadic people. So I think there's also something to say for that. I was just going to say, and on the pintail on that, there's great <laughs> evidence to show that all of our tradition in the West and really the, the, the Indo-European traditions comes from a people called the Scythians. Very well made of come from the fall of Atlantis. They had a massive empire that preceded the Romans and the Greeks and where they all were influenced immensely from, and they were a nomadic empire. They were a nomadic people. 
that brought us science, philosophy, the perennial philosophy and all these things. So um, just wanted to mention that because that's pretty fascinating. Well, well, look, I've, I've spent a lot. Of, I had to become. I had to become internally at peace with the way that life was unfolding. So for me, a lot of it was like, like working in like, like concepts, like, you know, I can be very heady at times. And when you really break it down, so we go and we look at, at, you know, our history is like, we were nomadic peoples until Babylon or until Sumeria. Like, you know, when we learn how to become like civilized or like a uh, uh, culture, uh, agricultural base, and we started staying still. And then we could think about like the word nomad, uh, just from a from a like a phonetic from a phonetic standpoint, like you're not mad. I'm no longer mad. And mad means both angry and insane. So I'm no longer mad. Like there's something like kind of built into that. Um, and then like I've I, I think about this a lot. Like the, the word mortgage um means death grip, like the 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 death grip. And in paradigm. In paradigm, like there is nothing higher for like the 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 average person than owning your own home and like the idea of like, you know, having a fancy house. And like, I get all that. Like, obviously I did because I said how hard it was for me to move off of that. But there is like there there's there's something there. I'm not saying every and, and it's also a movement as we've seen the whole like van life culture begin to take off since 2020, like. Like that's a that's a, a larger, more foundational movement. Like there's something which is in the there's something which is in the uh um in the the ethers, if you will, which is a return, maybe at least for some people, not everybody, to this like movement-based sort of 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 way of being. And I just want to go and add this one last thing. How these movements are then incorporated then within to paradigm is like then that you become the digital nomad and your gig economy is like, well, you're homeless, but you got a laptop and we're going to know where you are at all times. And you could do like you could bid your your creative ability out at the cheapest level at Fiverr or something, you know, that's also been, you know, is in play as well. But we can if we can begin to like dissect or pull apart, like uh, what is it? The wheat from the chaff. Is that what the saying is? Like, I think there's a real there, there about this relationship, which we have collectively between being home free. And I use that as a different word from being homeless. You're free of a home. And then like the homesteader, there really is a place for the homesteader. So, so yeah, that's, I, I find these uh, really important concepts, which, are hopefully going to materialize in very um, uh, supportive ways for the human family in the unfolding of this timeline we're on. And of course, the real, real wilding process uh, and then the true nomad is not about geographical locations. It's about your inner universe. I was just going to say that really to tie it all together is about the qualitative um, elements of what your thinking is and what, what is actually driving you? What is the motivation behind your actions in your hero's journey? Are you going, are you roaming around robbing people or doing something out of fear? Or are you a Ronin, right? Going from town to town to bring your skills and help others as an example, or are you, are, are you, uh, 
you know, saving for the apocalypse and prepping and uh, selfishly just taking as much goods as you can and storing them in your basement to never be used? Or are you homesteading the land to uh, to clean it up, to uh, bring back nature to uh, a more wild state from maybe it was uh, a person who wasn't respecting the land? There is no generalities here. Everyone has their own specific mission in life, and it's about the quality that you bring that defines um, what what essentially makes it right or wrong, if that even exists. Because on the same way of those digital nomads, you have this whole like, and I, I do see some of this as being valid, this coloniz it's the new colonization where you have these sort of uh, trust fund babies moving down to Mexico uh, in South America and using mom and dad's trust funds to uh, essentially colonize these awesome, uh, more indigenous areas and uh, turn them into your retreat centers for uh, the, the Wall Street class to come down and do ayahuasca and, and um, you know, spiritual bypass through the weekend so they feel good about going back and funding uh, the machine that's killing babies in Gaza. Right. So, yeah. I mean, once again, it all of that, you can point fingers at that. But what is the qualitative inspiration behind each and every one of those individuals doing those acts? That's what matters. Uh, and exactly. And when when I was talking about this continuum, like we're all in a continuum of where we are in terms of a relationship with 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 the paradigm. Um, like that's a very like qualitative, like, you know, uh, I personally, like I try to meet every single person where they're at. Like I have enough people in my life, life that I kind of like, I know what their what drives them is at least from their value system, from the highest level, even though like what they're doing is like, in my opinion, like it's, 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 you're, 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 you're just creating more and more problems, but the ability to meet each person where they're at, like, I think that is for, as an individual is a very, very, uh, like that's one of the ways you can move through without having any of the friction because it's like you, that's where they are. And so to be able to recognize of the, as you just said, Mike, about the, the qualitative what they're holding inside, regardless of like where they are, like you, you just meet them there. And part of the reason why I think I like to go and and I've been so willing to share some of my, my personal story is again, it's like introducing an idea, introducing a, um, an energy just so that we can all kind of like cross pollinate because I, I've been greatly impacted by so many people who've done that for me. And anything in anything in past time is water under the bridge. You know, I relate a lot of anecdotes myself just to illustrate my journey, but it's really like talking about somebody else because it's not me anymore. It's done. It's fiction and uh, really has no relevance other than maybe setting some little markers for the next generations that might embark on certain journeys. Um, well, this has been a, an amazing discussion. Michael, do you have any other areas you'd like to delve into before we wrap it up and uh, that we already haven't talked about? And then also, we want to make sure that we know how to find you, all your work and so forth. Um I think we've done we we've covered a lot of a lot of stuff. so I, th I think I feel good mm -hmm. with with all of our topics. Um, 
the best place to get in touch with me is um all right, all right. Actually, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict myself. There's one pl- place I'd like to go <laughs> before we um and this is this is uh, a lot of what I think from what is occurring right now, what we're seeing is um is a balancing act because we're becoming aware of the trappings of paradigm. We're recognizing like all of this stuff is true. We saw with the MT event, like it's all, it's all like part of a, of a plan. And just as I was describing a little bit earlier, how it was, it's kind of like I went kicking and screaming with my tail between my legs when I moved off of a certain lifestyle I used to live. Um, that is, that that's there's no other way around it like we're gonna have to do that with technology there's no other way around it and that that's a difficult thing to talk here and this is what i mean by like you know finding that 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 balancing point or that tightrope because we are using technology right now and now now i'm gonna go and i'm gonna shit on technology right now so that's that middle line um <laughs> We can be friendly with technology, but make no mistake, technology is not your friend. It is not your friend. And so as we, we've discussed these ideas of, of, of a new reality or a new way of experiencing life in this mystery, like if the military industrial complex internet if the the process like the the anti-earth anti-human manufacturing process if like the uh dopamine addictive software interactive process if you don't move off that like you're you're it's just you're 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 going from the victorian age to like another age like it's the same sort of thing and so this this process of moving in we're all i would say in my opinion when nancy reagan said the as soon as you smoke the crack like you're addicted for life like what they were really telling you about was smartphones because i know people who smoke crack and then become crack addicts immediately but i don't know a single person who hasn't like had a smartphone in their hand and then instantaneously become an addict like self-included like we're all addicted to it it was weaponized and designed for that so without at least an idea or the willingness to like at some two things at some point that this has to move off like we have to move off of technology like it's not sustainable like in all of the ways which we just talked about like that has to be part of the conversation and then the second part is that and this is that's like the painful part that's like the 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 like the the difficult part what seemingly is true and what we talked about earlier is like what uh, that the paradigm is an inversion of a greater truth. And so if the Internet is part of the paradigm, it is an inversion uh, and all of our technology, it's an inversion of something else and that something else is true and that something else has to live in harmony with life as opposed to be being in an oppositional destruction with earth life and with human life and so there has to be a transition from whatever the internet seemingly and technology has seemingly done for us uh on the most basic level technology has just made your life both more convenient and more connected to life in the paradigm that's it 
That's all it is. All of the good stuff is just to make your life more convenient for the technology. Um, but what it does do is it provides us an, a way of accessing information and communicating. That's seemingly what it is. Somehow all of those truths have to be have to be um, part of the natural greater mystery baseline reality in a way which is as tangible as as getting like, uh, you know, the download you get in meditation is going to be as objectively real as the download you get on YouTube or what have you. So like a recognition that there's going to be, there has to be another way of experiencing life. And I'm going to go one step further in saying that what we call the human being, like it's already changed and it's changing. And if that human being, the, the way the human being is, is if we're able to extract that human being away from the paradigm, uh, military industrial complex technology system, like that human being is still going to be able to change in a more authentic way. And in my opinion, being able to live a life where what we think of as like getting information from the internet that happens more more, more, um, uh, it's going to happen naturally. So let me walk through this logic and make this a little bit more grounded. <laughs> when you go in, if you ever have an opportunity to go and listen to like a lecture from like the, from like the sixties, or if you can watch a movie or anything from the forties from, from the American culture, I'm talking to uh, people who live in America right now. And if you listen to them and you're like, they don't even sound like we sound nowadays, they're different people. We're different people from them. We really are different. Our consciousness is different. The way we speak, 40 years from now, they're going to be different as well. Our synapses, our neural pathways have changed. Our neural pathways have changed based upon the technology that has been ubiquitous during your first seven years. All of the children that have been born since the smartphone, all of the children that have been born since, since the, the MT event, they're going to be different people. Like they really are going to be the ones who are going to have the potentiality of what I just described of being able to live in a way where perhaps we do things, the same sort of conveniences of information that we have experienced with the internet. They'll be able to do that without this, 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 this military industrial complex system. So where I'm going with all of this, and all of this is to explain like my link trip. <laughs> uh, where I'm going with all of this is like part of a recognition of the unfolding is what we have to move off of. And even if we're not willing to move off of the the smartphone, like I know people who have, like I still have a phone, I still use GPS, like I'm guilty of those things. At least holding a, an awareness that this is a direction that needs to go. I think that that is imperative, and I wanted to throw that out there. With that being said, <laughs> for those who who want to 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 be in touch with me, like one of the things I've done is I've certainly reduced my online footprint, and right now it's just a, a link tree. Um, people are able to contact me that way. Um, I check email. That's probably the best way of getting in touch with me. Um, as I travel around, like I'm always looking for places, me and my partner, Christy, are looking for places where we're able to do what are, we call starboard ceremonies, which is a natural astrology sort of, it's it's no interpretation. It's like literally 
being able to sit down with the starboard and we build the chart of the moment so we all become integrated with the natural rhythms of of the heavens and the natural connection between the other human beings who are there grounded in the physical reality where we're holding holding space like if you can go and you want to you want to house or support one of those definitely reach out and contact me um, I indicated a little bit earlier, like, you know, I more or less like live right on the edge financially. Like I live like almost like a missionary, like people donate me money. Like if you want to throw in like 20 bucks to fill my gas tank, that is immensely appreciated. Like you get all of that in, all of that is on the link tree. And then lastly, I do starboard sessions for individuals. And so that's a little bit more of traditional astrology. One of the things which I've learned, though, is that even though conceptually, I think it's important that we move off of understanding astrology as a means of knowing who I am or what I am and moving towards a way to integrate with rhythms, before someone can make that jump, they need to be witnessed. There's a lot of things we're holding yeah. unconsciously, like in our stories that need to be witnessed. And once someone witnesses it, like, oh yeah, I see that in there. And that's kind of shitty. And like, wow, that must've taken a lot of courage to go through that. Like once a third person recognizes that, it becomes easy to release it and step forward. And so I do that with with the starboard with like one on one sessions. And if anyone's interested in that, you can book a session with me online. Uh, usually what I do is I record an entire session and then I send someone a file like that's how I handle that. And there's one last thing I'm I'm beginning you at, in the new year. I started my first natural astrology course in just three weeks ago Uh and that's been really, really good. There'd been a, I was surprised to see that there was an interest in people learning what natural astrology was. I'm completing that course in two weeks. And what I'm planning on doing going forward is just having regular open classes. And what that means is like, there'll be just drop-ins and on the quarter moons, I'm going to probably do something on, on Zoom, I guess it will be, where people can go and I'll probably teach a concept and we'll have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation or, or a one-to-many, like a group conversation. If anyone is interested in finding out about that, uh, send me an email through Linktree. I'm probably going to get that set up in the next uh, 30 days or so. So those are the... That, Maybe... That's, um maybe we can uh, create something on the back end of our new member site there uh, so that people are kept abreast of when you offer those courses. Cause I'd like to know about them myself. All right. That what would be fantastic. Michael? I'm just figuring this out as I go along. So don't think that yeah. there's any type of well, master plan. That's, <laughs> that's all we're doing. So, well, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much. And so uh, Michael, formerly Michael, it's been wonderful talking to you again, reconnecting, and uh, let's not wait two years next time because uh, I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you for oh, being with us. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mr. Wan, uh, Obi-Wan Shinobi in the house. Uh, yes, and we uh, Bear mentioned we do have our new private platform on our website, alphabetic.com. Go to it. Please join us there. It is on fire uh, in a good way. <laughs> uh alphavedic.com a-l-f-a-v-e-d-i-c.com forward slash join dash us uh, michael i would love to offer you a free membership if you're interested in coming on there um and basically we could create a group uh around your offerings and what you uh, have to offer people be really into it um 
I, I've helped a lot of these communities form, and I will say I've not yet seen one like this be this active, which is really um, a great testament to, of course, Bear and Deb and the Alpha Vedic uh, community in, in, in its entirety, but also just um, to where we're going in 2024. People are hungry uh, to to be in a place like this, a digital space, and be connected and and have uh, you know chat in the private. So uh, please uh, go check that out, guys, and go support Michael and all his endeavors. Uh, the his uh, link tree link is in the notes below. So please go support him, follow him, and Michael. I hope to see you in the real again, whether it be at Confluence or uh, have you and your partner come out to the farm. Maybe we do a workshop at the Alpha Vedic Gardens uh, this summer. Oh, that'd We're be amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, hanging out with this gentleman in person in Florida in November was truly a delight. It was great to see Greg Carlwood too in the flesh. Wasn't that fun, Michael? Because I know you've been on that, his show. That a was bunch. a lot of fun. And I I did a, I, I recorded a show with Greg um, in early December. It hasn't been released yet. I think it's probably going to be released this week. So like the timing of this is kind of interesting Ooh. because I go in, like we didn't even talk about any of the synchromistic storytelling. I break down the MT event, linking it between the Kobe Bryant death and mm. the, the, ah. the, when um, Novak Djokovic, the tennis player, wins the U.S. Open um, at Corona Park. That's the name of the park where the U.S. Open takes place. It's called Flushing Meadows at Corona Park. And he takes his shirt off and he's got a Kobe Bryant T-shirt on. And I break that down in the most in the most mind-blowing way. So I definitely oh, encourage it. everyone to go watch that. And that conversation would not have taken place had we not met in person uh, with Greg and me and you, Mike, and I think uh, Alec was there and a whole bunch mm -hmm. of other people. So like the 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 groundedness, the grounded meetings are always like the, the real important stuff. And then we do the secondary stuff online. I love this. This has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you for having me. And I want to continue with this momentum, uh, both face to face, and I'd be honored to participate within your community. Very awesome. good, sir. We look forward to that higher side chat episode. Go support Greg. Of course, he's a legend. And uh, thank you guys. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go show Mother Nature some love. She'll show it right back to you. And hope to see you in, in El Capoco for Anarchapoco. Bear will be doing an amazing virtual um, presentation. It will be his third year in a row being involved with that community and that, excuse me, that event. And I'll actually be there in person in El Capoco, hoping to catch some waves. Uh, that's going to be my main goal there. And then, of course, DJing and doing a, a talk there as well around um, rewilding our consciousness in the digital realm uh, with Cordal and being the way. Uh, okay, guys, love you. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Take it easy. Love you.